Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymo, how are you doing today? Not well, mate. Not well. Not well? What's going on? I have a really bad headache right now, so my head really hurts. And I don't really get headaches very often, so this is quite a new... Have you been drinking enough water? Uh, Well, I've been fasting during the day, but normally I don't get headaches. I think when I'm fasting plus sleep-deprived, then it leads to headaches. Yeah, mate, you should be sipping sipping on water. Probably dehydration is a big part of it. Um, Yeah, potentially and i'm also really tired and so oh. it's not it's not going great mate how are you i'm sorry to hear that uh i am good i'm good just ordered some uh z's piri piri grilled chicken takeaway for aftar and i had uh our air fryer arrived this morning and so i made some broccoli in the air fryer so i felt very healthy having grilled chicken with broccoli what do you need to make for the broccoli like oh, we just coated it in a little bit of olive oil, added some salt and pepper and garlic and put it in the air fryer and it generated some pretty solid tasting broccoli. Oh, nice. That sounds like fun. Yeah, I guess the oven would have been legit for that as well, but it's just, I never use the oven, so. <laughs> is it, why? Like, why is the air fryer different? I think air fryer is different because it's quicker. So it was like broccoli was done in like eight minutes, whereas in the oven it would require like 15 minutes of preheating and then like 15 minutes of roasting. Oh, okay. Yeah, the preheating is annoying. And the more the lead, the lead lead time, lag time is on the oven, the less likely I am to use it at all. So mm. there was that. But otherwise, yeah, I feel I feel quite domesticated. Very good. Um, before we get into this episode, let's uh, mention that this episode is kindly brought to you by none other than Skillshare. Yes, once again, Skillshare are a sponsor of the podcast. So if you hit the link in the video description or head over to Skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking pod, then, then what happens? Then the first thousand people to hit that link will get a free trial to Skillshare. And then during a free trial, you can check out my brand new Skillshare class, Productivity for Creators, How to Start a Successful Side Hustle. This is like an hour and a bit long, I think one to one and a half hours long. And it's where I talk about all of the ins and outs around how to be more productive uh, when it comes to starting a side hustle in your spare time. So if that sounds up your street, then you should definitely check that out by hitting the link in the video description. While you're there, you can also check out all my other eight classes on Skillshare, two of them around productivity, two of them around studying, uh, and there's a ton of other things to choose from as well. Skillshare, basically the best place to learn absolutely anything when it comes to, I don't know, design, illustration, arts and crafts, business administration, cooking, interior design, they've got all sorts of stuff. So head over to skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking pod to get your free trial. Anyway, Tamo, what do you want to talk about? So today I would like to read out a short essay slash Facebook post is an essay that was posted as a Facebook post that I came across. That actually a podcast listener tagged me on Twitter. Um, and then it was just like a really great, yeah, it made my whole week. I loved it. Um, it is about how we treat kids, unsurprisingly. So I'll just read out the, uh, I'll read out the post and then we can maybe chat about it. How does that sound? Sounds, sounds glorious, mate. You go for okay. it. So someone asks, okay, so essentially the, the author of the post, Duncan Sabian, he has like a, an anonymous form that you can send him questions on on his website. And someone asked him, someone said, someone said to him, 
I'm in my 20s. I don't know anyone with children above toddler age, and I haven't really interacted with any children since I was a child. What if people in my demographic forgotten about children? What will surprise us if we come to start interacting with children again? So that someone asked Duncan this, and uh, I'll just read out the post. For those who don't know me very well, my qualifications to opine on this issue are thus. One, I've been a teacher more or less continuously since I was 14 years old, since the year 2000, and the vast majority of my teaching experience was with children mostly between the ages of 11 and 14, but also with kids as young as 5 or 6, and with older teens and adults. Two, when I was 6 years old, I swore a solemn oath to myself that I would never forget that even though I was only 6, I was a person, damn it, with real thoughts and real feelings and real opinions, and I deserve to have that recognized instead of having it hand-waved away with patronizing condescension, Miss Wickerson. As a result, I've stayed more in touch with children and with what it was like to be a child than most people, mostly via actively trying to, to the point where I think I can easily claim to be 99th percentile among people in their mid-30s when it comes to understanding, validating, empathizing with, and relating to the experience of childhood, and possibly as high as 99.99th percentile. Uh, in particular, I have a lot of carefully catalogued and in many cases externally verified slash double-checked memories of watching the people around me transition from trusting and validating and respecting themselves at the time to mysteriously dismissing and marginalizing and belittling those very same selves months or years later. I've watched friends and family do a kind of episodic shift where they're suddenly talking smack about and dunking on a person, the person being past them, them in the past, that I knew and admired and respected as if present to them is somehow fundamentally qualitatively different or better. And in many cases, I can just straightforwardly see that this is not true. I noticed myself spiraling away from the actual question, though. So to refocus, things that 20 and 25 and 30 and 35 year olds who haven't been a kid for a while and haven't interacted with kids for a while and who've sort of drunk the basic cultural Kool-Aid of forgetting what it was like include, but are not limited, limited to, uh, one, kids are exceptionally robust. Two, kids are fully realized persons. Three, kids and their reactions to things 100% make sense. And four, kids care. And so for each of these four things, he's written uh, something. So one, kids are exceptionally robust. We're used to thinking of kids as fragile because they tend to get triggered pretty easily. Kids have less emotional self-regulation on average and are more likely to melt down or throw tantrums or pick fights. On a minute-to-minute -minute level, Kids seem much more destructible and vulnerable than teens or adults. But when it comes to being able to handle curveballs, being able to bend and then spring back into shape, being able to absorb hits and somehow put it together and still end up as fully functional human beings, kids are way less brittle than grown-ups. The thing that makes injury or abuse of children so horrible is that they're figuring out how the world works. And if you show them that the world is a cold and unfeeling place, they'll just adapt to that. And that's a worse way to live. But in terms of sheer raw ability to cope, kids are incredibly robust. This particularly pops up for me when I see parents stridently and vehemently objecting to having their ch children exposed to truths about the world, such as the fact that people are sometimes violent or that drug addiction and homelessness leave devastating effects on individuals and communities, or that, did you know, people sometimes do this sex thing. There seems to be some imagined perfect innocence that A, ought to be preserved, and B, will, when it's lost, incur injury. Like once you find out these things, you're suddenly going to be worse off than when you were lied to about how the world works. Nope, nope, nope. 
I have a list of movies and books and experiences with ages attached. My kids are going to see Fight Club when they're 12 rather than being protected from the violence and sexuality until they're 16 or whatever. Let's hold off on these disappointing blows to one's worldview until they're old enough and robust enough to handle it, is the steel man of the other side. But in practice, I think it's Let's hold off on these disappointing blows to one's worldview until they've built up a lot more assumptions and coping mechanisms around the fake way that the world doesn't work, and also they've lost a lot of their youthful flexibility and regenerative ability. So, to add my own commentary, uh, he's basically trying to say that he disagrees with sheltering kids from some of the harsher realities of life, um, because when they're young, they can actually cope with those things pretty well. All right, two. Uh, so that, that was one. Kids are exceptionally robust. I mean, so just on that point, um, someone hearing that un- might uncharitably interpret it as, "What? Well, there's no way." Well, so, so, so you're saying I should show my my child R-rated films when they're six years old? Uh, what well, What do you imagine well, he's, would be he's, per- response he's, he's personally saying that he'd show his kid Fight Club when they're twelve. So no, not R-rated films when they're six year, years old, but Fight Club at twelve rather than Fight Club at eighteen. Um, two kids are fully realized persons. This one comes with some caveats since A, developmental stages are at least somewhat real, and B, people grow at different rates. But often by the time a person is 5 or 6, and usually by the time they're 9 or 10, and almost always by the time they're 12 or 13, what you have when you're dealing with a kid is a complete, complex, whole, real person. Not like somebody who's going to be a person when they grow up, but a person. They will react to stimuli in approximately the same way you'd react to stimuli. If they're being patronized or condescended to, then they're just going to go, fuck this guy, and tune, tune you out. If they're being treated with respect and curiosity, they're going to open up and, re- and will reveal an inner life of opinions and beliefs that's every bit as rich and complex as anyone else's. The key thing to note is that kids are tired of getting the short end of the stick from adults, so they won't often visibly or vocally push back against being treated like mice. They'll just retreat. They'll stop bothering to try to interact with you or equal or equal with you on equal or near equal footing and will just act like mice around you. They're pretty good as a class at fulfilling expectations and then leading their own private lives outside of your sight. If you want to see the real person hiding behind the child exterior, you first have to demonstrate that you're deserving of it. Uh, Anecdote, I was having a frank conversation with my homeroom students one day and they straight up confessed as a group to frequently and deliberately manipulating my colleague Susan by pushing her her known buttons. Uh, This is in quotes. If we don't feel like working, we just pull up something from Google News and ask her about it, and she goes off on a rant, and then we don't have to do any work that day. End quote. This wasn't random childish behavior. This was exactly the same sort of strategic behavior you see from, say, office drones in The Office or Office Space TV shows. It was the same sort of response you might get out of a mature, reasonable adult if they were trapped in a context where they weren't going to get any value and didn't have any reason to buy into the system. All right, so that was two. Kids are fully realized persons. Three. Kids and their reactions to things 100% make sense. Kids aren't random. Kids aren't crazy. Kids aren't incomprehensible. Kids lack experience. They lack context. They have vast holes in their understanding of how the world works. This causes them to make leaps that don't make sense to someone who has richer or more accurate assumptions. This causes some of their choices to seem really weird if you can't let go of your preconceptions. This causes their reactions to be disproportionate. But it takes extremely little digging before you get to an underlying model that perfectly explains whatever nonsense you just just witnessed. Sometimes, sure, kids just get a wild idea in their heads and run with it, and the underlying model is just, I don't know, it seemed like it would be fun. But often, if a kid is furious, if a kid is emotional, if a kid is weirdly fixated on trucks or dinosaurs or climate change, if a kid seems stridently insistent that we absolutely must do X, if you just look, you'll find the reasons why. 
Or rather, if you just look and you haven't already gotten yourself written off, you'll find the reasons why. This is part of the trap. If you haven't built up sufficient trust to overcome the default skepticism that most kids rightly have towards adults in general, then you'll try to look for reasons and the kid won't open up, thereby confirming that there was, there was no underlying model and that kids are just crazy, which further pushes the, the two sides apart. Uh, so the point he's making here is a point that I made on a, one of the earlier podcasts about the topic, which is that if kids seem to have weird views on things or think sort of seemingly stupid things, you know, it's not because they can't think correctly. It's just that they're missing some facts and the model that they have of the world makes perfect sense given the facts that they that they currently know. And so you can't really, you know, we often confuse a lack of knowledge with a actual you know, stupidity or something. Okay, yeah. So, so it was three, kids uh, and the reactions to things 100% make sense. And four, kids care. I include this one at the end because it's the least likely to surprise you, but also it seems worth mentioning and reinforcing. Kids care. Kids care about different things, and they're not all motivated by the same stuff, but they care a lot. Kids take things seriously. Kids take models seriously. They're trying to figure out how the world works, and they'll often jump straight to logical conclusions or carry out reasoning much further than adults expect, and then they will care about the result. They often haven't learned that the, that the world is messy and confusing and full of gradients and shades of gray, so they haven't learned to give up on things like certainty and hope and clear lines between right and wrong. So don't be surprised if you tell a kid X and they leap and they leap straight to therefore Y. And don't be afraid if you tell a kid X and they respond with, but you're doing this thing which is emphatically not X. What's up with that? Uh, man, I could go on for a long time. I should stop here. Anyway, that's the post. Um, so I guess there were like uh, four, the four points were one, kids are exceptionally robust. Two, kids are fully realized persons. Three, kids' reactions to things 100% make sense. And four, kids care. Um, I think the fully realized persons thing, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm fully bought into that and I've been harking on about that. But I think the thing he mentions, um, the thing he mentions about, uh, about, you know, if a kid is like patronized or condescended to, they're just going to tune the other person out and sort of, you know, they have you know, completely sort of whole and rich inner lives of their own. And the fact that adults don't know about this is just because kids generally don't trust adults to welcome them into their world. And, and I think I've, I think I felt this quite strongly growing up mm. and there was this sort of kids world. And then you, you sort of, there was like the adults world and you sort of interacted with adults in a certain way, but it was out of the question that like they would be understanding of the kids world. Or, yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, very much so. I mean, when we used to go to, like family gatherings and stuff, there would very much be an adult versus kids divide. And I remember sort of that, that framing of the kid will become a mouse, like really resonated with me. Cause I was like, yeah, I guess around adults when I was younger, I basically used to be a mouse <laughs> and be like, look, right. I just want to do the bare minimum. I want to say salams. I want to shake your hand. And then I want to go up to the kids where we're actually having fun. Yeah. Um, and that was like the inner, <laughs> the inner world of the kids. Um, but I remember even 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 in school, like the teachers that we as kids most respected were the ones who felt like they most respected us. The ones who felt like like they were they were speaking to us kind of on our level and like leveling with us like man to man <laughs> rather than parent to child. Right. Yeah. And those were the teachers that we would let into kind of the a bit more of the inner work of the inner world of the kids. Are you thinking about primary school here or secondary school or what? I'm thinking both. So yeah, I mean, this is a good essay. Make some, make some good points. <laughs> I think you and I broadly agreed with them. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, I'm not sure we have much more to add, but I just wanted to read that out. Nice. Um, how's how's your kids' manifesto coming along? I haven't made any progress on it in a little while. Okay, why well. not? <laughs> uh, I just haven't sat down and done it really. Okay, like what? Where? What stage of development is your manifesto currently at? So I, I thought I had a, a first draft a couple of months ago, but then I decided I wasn't happy with it and that it needs a lot of work. And so now I no longer have a first draft. So like, what, what, what's the point of this manifesto? Like, what are, you, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to convince other people to care about this. To care about this as like a, like a broad topic or are there any specific points you're trying to convince them of? I mean, yeah, there's some specific, specific points, but the goal of the, the manifesto as a whole would be to convince anyone reading it that this is an important thing. And that they should care about it. Okay. And that kids should be respected and treated as individuals rather than as yeah, all property. That, all that, all that this, good stuff. Sort of yeah. stuff. Okay. Why were you not happy with the first draft? I didn't think it was too, it was convincing enough. Okay. Well, yeah. Fair enough. You're planning to make progress on it anytime soon? Mm, I haven't specifically carved out any time for it mm. anytime soon. We were planning to do some like cottage retreat or something where... Yeah, yeah. We need to do that. Yeah, we've got something booked for, the, for mid-May. I think I think I'll bash it out then. Yeah. Okay. A little Cornwall trip. Um, it seems seems reasonable. Anything else we want to chit chat about? I have this article that oh this blog post that I read on Scott Alexander. Um, but I think that will take up a whole episode. So. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it will, but like it would be worth having that as a specific discussion point. Cool. I mean, I'd be happy to end things there. I have this really bad headache, so I don't think I'm going to be much fun on this week's episode. Alrighty, um, maybe we can read yeah. out a review. And yeah, go for it. Another another exciting news. I got my gaming PC the other day. Oh yeah, how's that going? It's it's a bit underwhelming. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it was like I feel like I really hyped it up in my head. That, oh my god, when I play World of Warcraft on ultra settings, it's going to be significantly better, and it's not significantly better. And now I'm thinking, well, I've got a big sunk cost in this gaming PC. Maybe I should actually start playing PC games. But if I think of like when I when I have leisure time. I would, like, if, if anything, I'd rather sit on the couch and play on the PS5 than I would sit on my desk and continue and play on the PC because I sit really? on my desk all day anyway. Oh, okay. So it's, a, like, at, at the very minimum, I'd like some, some level of context switch there. But I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, I'm, I might download, like, The Witcher or Assassin's Creed Valhalla or some, some, some kind of game like that and just see how it runs and see if, see if it's fun. Because, like, most people I know who are into PC gaming have tried console gaming and have said that PC gaming is just better. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about what that experience is like. Hmm. Yeah, I get the sense that the hardcore gamers are, are, tend to be on PC rather than on console. Hmm. But I guess it also depends on the game. Like, I think like Call of Duty and stuff is probably more console-y. I don't know. Like, I feel like you, you can be better at Call of Duty if you're on PC, right? I know. I've, I've, I think they account for it. Like, they do, like with sort of aim assist and all this sort of stuff, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know the details, to be honest. I'm not... Uh, much of a yeah. gamer myself and so I mean, you actually gonna keep, are you going to keep having these two separate computers like your gaming pc and your normal mac yeah like i can't imagine switching to windows uh i just i just hate windows even even the process of setting this up having to install drivers and things like what the hell is that yeah i got like a dotnet 2.0 framework wizard that rocked up at some point <laughs> hell, I've, not, I've not seen this in like 10 years yeah <laughs> like why, why is this still a thing yeah <laughs> um yeah, I had to download some drivers. I had to figure out what, what, what the hell X32 and X86 and X64 meant. Uh, like, oh gonna, <laughs> this is just not the Mac experience, but it's fine. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea of diving into like a, 
kind of like a single player story driven type game something like the witcher or assassin's creed and feeling if i can kind of get lost in that sort of universe like i would in for example a fantasy audiobook right yeah so i kind of like the like the idea of doing that because i think a game like world of warcraft is not is not so immersive you're not really playing for the storyline whereas often with these kind of single player rpg type games you are sort of playing for the storyline so i don't know we'll see Hmm. we will see so you don't recommend that people buy an alienware pc um for now not really uh, especially because like world of warcraft is not one of those particularly graphics intensive games that massively benefits from having mm. a denge gaming pc powering it yeah but yeah in fact i might hmm, i might ask in our slack group be like what video game would people recommend <laughs> i download um and i might might try something out is it it's it's, it's a bit rogue because like I, I was looking at my wow playtime the other day it's like in the last few weeks i've played it for about four days full start four days non-stop which is like 12 eight-hour working days that i've effectively lost through playing world of warcraft and i was kind of thinking in those terms that do i want to think of it as like lost productivity that had i spent 12 entire days focusing on writing my book i would have finished the book by now <laughs> <laughs> uh, but instead i spent 12 whole days playing world of warcraft but then it's like playing world, playing playing video games is one of those things that i can do when i'm not feeling like doing work and mm. i'm trying to be okay, more okay with letting my emotional sort of how, how i'm feeling uh dictate some to, to an extent what i'm what i'm doing with my time so these days my, my wait, wait, wait. this is but doesn't this yeah. go against your whole motivation is a myth thing and like oh you oh yeah it does but like my, my motivation thing is like a midwit uh <laughs> sort of okay so you, you no longer stand by it i mean i i do stand by it i think these are all models like and the 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 utility of a model depends on the person who needs the model for a lot of people motivation is a myth discipline is the way forward screw how you're feeling and do the thing anyway is genuinely useful advice um but obviously you know there's the, there is a sweet spot to that obviously i don't think you either either i don't i certainly won't advocate for feeling like you have to work 24 7 and create economic output 24 7 um as long as you're kind of broadly moving towards the goals that you think are meaningful and having fun along the way i'm happy <laughs> and so if video games fall into that particular uh narrative then that's totally cool as long as you're living your best life man i see hmm one thing that's just come to my mind is, you know, how acceptable is it for us to, you know, like this week, show up, be like, oh, I've got a headache. I'm just going to read out this Facebook post and then let's call it a day. You know, it's not a reasonable thing to do. Like, I think there is, uh, you know, maybe there is some level of professionalism or responsibility <laughs> of like showing up and <laughs> just do, doing your job <laughs> every week. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on it. Like, because, you know, you know, people want, people are expecting a podcast every week. We've told people we're going to have a podcast every week. We're doing this thing. We're calling it a podcast and so on. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think on the one hand, neither of us treat this like a job. Yeah, and sure. it's more like, hey, we're having a chat each week. And if people want to listen and they can listen in. So that's like one, one, one aspect of it. I think uh, I've, I wonder, to, I, I wonder if we should, formulate intros about the podcast after the fact a lot of podcasts do do this and therefore the person listening can decide if it's the sort of thing they want to listen to hmm. so maybe that would be worth doing for this one be like hey guys uh, so uh this is a fair this one's a bit shorter than usual we talk about an essay about kids if you're interested listen otherwise feel free to give this one a skip and <laughs> enjoy the rest of your day kind of vibes i feel like if, if people are listening to the podcast it's because they want to be listening to it and if someone doesn't get if someone doesn't get value out of it it's very easy to stop the podcast and do something else 
So generally, oh, no, I no. don't. I'm not trying to suggest that. Mm, what am I trying to suggest? I'm not trying to say that. Like this, a, like, I think minute for minute, this episode is probably more valuable or whatever than than the longer episodes, right? But yeah, my point is just like, is it is it okay for us to have this mindset of like, oh, I'm not feeling it today? Hmm. I, I think it is. I think it's fine. I think also like, it's also totally fine to just like not have an episode some weeks. Is it? Yeah. Like who 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 actually cares? It's like the thing that Paul Millard and Kay both have said at various interval points, which is that, like, for example, if you're having an email newsletter and you're doing it every week, it is okay to take a week off. Like, people, like, occasionally people, people might be like, oh, I was, I was looking forward to your newsletter this week and it didn't arrive. But, like, really, it doesn't actually make any difference in the grand scheme of things if you skip a week. And if it's going mean, to be look, better for we, your mental health skip, to skip a week. We do skip weeks, though, right? Like, the episode before last was an in-between episode because we, uh, yeah, we do. decided not to record yeah. one. Yeah, we didn't have time. Well, we didn't make the time to record one. It was an in between episode. That's fine. But even in, in between episode, I think it's a pretty, pretty reasonable. Like we can just not have an episode some weeks. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not a big deal. Like no one will actually care. And so I think if you're feeling feeling particularly great, like I think it's it's pretty it's pretty clear that for, for for both of us, this podcast is not a particularly high priority item in our lives relative to normal work and real life. Podcast comes you know somewhere on the list of of priorities, but certainly not position one and two. Yeah. And so if you've got a you know, really bad headache and you're not feeling it, then I don't think anyone would be like, oh, actually, we want to make sure that this is a job. You need to rock up and perform. I see. Yeah. Which I think is the benefit of doing a podcast like this, where, you know, <laughs> it it does have that kind of casual vibe and it's not a, all right, welcome back. And this week's episode where it's, it's sort of like a live on air every single week showing up and doing a job thing. So, who yeah, I'll have, I'll have more of a think about this. I'm not sure where I stand. Um, all right, I'll read a review. And then we can call it a night. This review is entitled Engaging and Insightful Podcast. It's a five-star review from user underscore con in Sweden. They say, really enjoy your podcast. I listen to it whenever I go for a run. And I'm always excited to hear the microaggressive debates between Ali and his brother. Bringing on new guests also adds a lot of flavor and keeps things interesting. Please keep making them. Thank you to user con. In, uh, in Sweden for that review. Microaggressive debates. It's interesting. Nice. Love it. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. Good stuff. See Thanks you for listening, everyone. We'll see you later. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at N Overthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.